get greedy with like knowing yourself and like spending time mm-hmm. with yourself, especially like when you're an athlete, because when you leave the sport that you dedicate your entire life to and you're detached from that thing, you'll figure out who you are. Um, and it's it has to be something so much more than the person you are in your sport. I just wrote that down. Get <laughs> I did too. So <laughs> did I. I literally wrote that down. I'm What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the It Girls, hosted by Mercury, and we are so excited to have a new guest, someone that's already super near and dear to my heart, and I don't even know her that well yet, um, Miss Anna Wilson. Anna, what's up? What's up, you guys? I'm super excited to be here. Um, really grateful uh, for the opportunity to talk to you guys, and I'm just really excited to see where this conversation goes. That's awesome. She thinks she's pumped. Like I was just telling her before the episode, <laughs> Z and I have been talking about this for like since we got you on. We've been like, she's gonna be so good, especially when we were texting. I'm like, she's texting me all this stuff. Like it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> um, but Anna is our what number national champion, Z? Dude, we've had like four national champions on. You might be number four, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Number but like just as significant, especially women's basketball too, as women's basketball continues to get so much better. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm excited to see where women's basketball specifically is going to go in the next yeah. few years. Yeah, it's going to be massive. I can tell you that. The trajectory yeah. of it is insane. It's unpredictable. And um, women's basketball is something that everyone should buy into right now um, with the climate of the players and the caliber and everything like that. It's going to be, it's going to be amazing. I know okay. you said that you um, spoke at the white house about NCAA women's basketball. Um, yeah. Talk us through that a little bit. Like what did that look like? What were kind of some major talking points you had um, in that conversation? Yeah. So how that all kind of came about. Um, so I was playing in the NCAA tournament the year before. Um, so this is before my sixth year. So um, in 2021. Um, and this was my fifth year. Uh, we had gone to the national championship, all this stuff is kind of going on with the NCAA, like all that stuff you saw with Sedona Prince and, and everything, like all the videos, all the pictures. Um, one of my strength and conditioning coaches uh, came out with a video and a, like a little statement as well about like the weight room and everything. Cause we had like 25 pound weights and stuff like that. Um, which is crazy. And like yoga mats and stuff. And then you see the guys tournament and it's like this complete, like, contrast, um, start contrast and everything. And so, um, you know, Tara, we were, you know, we're all kind of upset, but, you know, we're really focused on winning the tournament and everything. And Tara said that, um, she basically said something along the lines of like, you know, people listen to winners, you know? And so like, you know, we win this thing, we have an opportunity, we have a platform to talk about it. If we lose, you know, no one's going to want to, you know, hear what we have to say, you know? And so, you know, we kind of just, you know, focused and, and narrowed our focus in on, on winning that national championship. And then kind of the opportunity came up afterwards. Um, where Corey Close is kind of spearheading this whole thing and she has Don Staley and she has Gina Ariema and she has uh, um, tar- obviously Tara Vandeveer um, kind of like in this group, um, this WBCA. And then they have like a bunch of other coaches from like other sports. I think softball um, was one of the main other sports too. Um, and, you know, some of those coaches have been around for a really, really long time. 
And basically, Tara had me, because um, obviously we were there from the very beginning of the tournament all the way to the very end. So we kind of got to see the adjustments that they tried to make for, uh, up until the end of the tournament. And so Tara asked me to talk, um, probably because I'm one of the oldest people in college basketball at that point. You know, so I'd been there from like the very first like six years of, you know, basic, or five years of NCAA tournaments and kind of kind of see, I've been able to see kind of the the changes and kind of how it's gone for over the past few years. Um, and at that point, um, I was in my second uh, final four. Um, and so pretty much um, Tara kind of came up to me and was like, would you like to talk to the White House? And I'd be like, yeah, I'd love to. Um, obviously, I've had brothers play at the college level too. And so I know kind of the differences that kind of come up and the different opportunities that men get professionally too. And so um, – she basically asked me to talk and I basically just did a bunch of stuff with Caitlin Clark and um, some other um, athletes who were uh, playing at that time in the tournament. Hmm. That's, that's so cool. I do want to stop real quick and say, I, you've touched on so many things I want to ask about, but we don't know anything about you yet. So we need an elevator pitch before we go any deeper. <laughs> we need to know like where you're from. We yeah. need to know everything about you. So you have a minute yeah. to give your best elevator pitch and then, I have some questions about that, and I want to get back to that. All right, I got a minute. So I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm from the East Coast. I moved over to the West Coast when I was in 12th grade. Uh, moved to Seattle, Washington, played for Bellevue, won a state championship with Bellevue. Um, I was a gold medalist uh, at USA level um, and U17. Um, I committed to Stanford when I was a freshman um, in high school, one of the first people to do that, um, which was very, very strange at that time. Um, I originally had like some offers from some schools on the East Coast um, and one other West Coast school. Um, my brother was playing for the Seattle Seahawks. His name is Russell Wilson. Um, and that's how I got introduced to Stanford from Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin. And then kind of after that, um, I have an older brother, um, Harry Wilson, who uh, lives on the East Coast um, in Kentucky. Um, he played um you know, baseball and football in college too. So they're all like, go to Stanford, go to Stanford, because that's the kind of their dream school. I ended up going to Stanford. Um, my freshman year, we went to a Final Four. Um, and then after that, we won a bunch of a bunch of different uh, tournament championships and everything. Uh, my fifth year was my best year of college basketball. Um, had a lot of growth during that time. Um, I was a captain for three years. Um, and then won a national championship in my fifth year, went to another Final Four in my sixth year, lost to UConn, unfortunately. Mm. Um, now I'm a sen- I was a senior executive at, the, at a company called Tom Bross, um, and now I've transitioned into a director of vision at this company called Haddad Brand, who makes all the kids' clothing for Nike, Converse, Hurley, Levi's, and Jordan, and, of course, 3 Brand, which is my brother's brand. Um, so I focus on that brand most, mostly. Um, I cr- I'm a creative by trade. Um, I studied um, art in college and then did my uh, thesis in digital media. Well, I my, my major basically is my, and my master's was digital media studies, but I wrote my thesis um, in neutral thinking and created a language analysis system that detected neutrality um, and how you could be successful in a, whatever you're doing, whether you're a corporate athlete or an athlete um, based off of how neutral you are. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. No, that's, yeah. Like a, that's a pretty good elevator pitch. Thank that's you. Like the <laughs> elevator of like the, the, my job. closing. The door is closing there. My last few words. <laughs> no, that was crazy. No, that was amazing, Anna. Literally, like my jaw was on the floor as you were speaking. That was the most nonchalant, like 
ginormous flex of an elevator pitch I've ever heard. Like that was that was a very impressive, humble elevator pitch. I I will. Say. <laughs> Crazy. Oh and- gosh, where do we even begin, Taylor? Like I I just you hit it, hit it, get get us All started. Right, well. So obviously I was doing some digging on you and looking up all these stuff so we could talk about. And one thing that stood out to me that you sent and that I saw on uh, your Wikipedia page, because you do have Wikipedia page, if you didn't know that, um, you've played the fourth most games in all of NCAA history. Yeah. over that's, that's like pretty insane. 160 games over six years. And so my first thought was like, how, how did your body hold up? Like in that time, like, do you feel burnt out? Do you feel like, so you were talking about beforehand, like you're seven years older than your teammates. Like, how does that feel? How does that work? Um, I mean, for me, um, I feel like at the college level, I got an experience, a lot of really, really cool things. I think that's by far my favorite. Like if I had a personal accolade that I actually like really cared about, it's definitely that one. Mm. Um, I remember my freshman year, I was really struggling because I was injured. And so this is how I got my fifth year. I was injured. And, um, like I, I love working out, like love working out. I love being in the gym. And when I was younger, like being in the gym is my escape, you know? So like in a lot of ways, uh, I felt like really detached from, um, Sorry, my screen just like popped into a different window. But um, I felt like really detached from like myself, um, not being able to work out a ton because I was I was struggling with concussion. I was I, I was out for eight months uh, with a concussion. Um, I had a really hard time tracking um, with my eyes. So like one eye would be over here and the other one would be lagging behind. But- and uh, so I really struggled with that. And so I think it's my favorite thing because – I had to really figure out like how my body works and I had to figure out how like to listen to myself and like how I'm doing versus like the pressure of like, Oh, I want to return. Or, oh, I want to play. Like, this is what other people are expecting of me. Like I'm letting people down by not playing, by not starting, by not, you know, all this stuff. And so it was a lot of um, like just personal growth during that time. And so being able to play for 160, 160 games, being there while Tara, like, reach a thousand wins and then like also being there like for her to like surpass like pat summit and and all those things um you know i just think that like being able to play in the most games like fourth most games ever while struggling with injuries my first two seasons um was massive because i my the end of my career was a stark contrast to the beginning of my career where like Mm -hmm. i was playing like two and three minutes to where i was playing like 32, 40, not coming out of the game. Uh, And so I think that that was like, you know, just something for me where, um, you know, there were games where I didn't play and I would like after the game, I would get on the bike in the hallway and I'd bike because I wanted to play 30 minutes. So I'd bike for 30 minutes, like to stimulate the fact that like I wanted to play 30 minutes. So I'm going to bike like as if I'm in the game for that long. So I could feel like releasing like that much energy. Um, you know, to kind of get myself in the mindset of like, I'm going to manifest playing for that long. So, um, you know, I, I became really, really healthy. I think COVID was a year that really transformed my life, um, in terms of my like physical health and like taking care of myself, my body and like realizing what workouts work for me and what workouts don't and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, speaking on the conversation of Stanford, 
I feel like when I think of a Stanford student athlete, I think of someone who kind of like has it all. Sometimes this is sounds going to sound bad, but Z, sometimes people say that about Kentucky volleyball. Like, well, okay, let me, let me, re- let me tell the whole story. Like our friend in the world, he's like, we don't get it. Like our Craig is our coach's name. He's like, how does uh, Craig like, uh, recruit players who have it all like they're really good at volleyball they're like they do well in school and they're hot and he, like, he, <laughs> he's like how do they have it all and seriously like when I think of Stanford student athletes that's what I think of I'm like y'all are obviously very yeah. intelligent individuals who care about your education too you guys obviously are competing at the absolute highest level with Stanford winning the director's cup like year after year with all 45 sports that you all have um <laughs> that being said, like I, and this is, this is going to come off bad, but I'll, like, I'll backtrack it. Um, something like my coaches often talk to me about is like, you need to show others that you don't have it all. Like you need to like that perception that others have of you of like, you got this together, this together, get this together. Like when you build relationships with people, like they need to see the vulnerable side of you that yeah. like, no, like I do not have it all. Like this is a mess. This is a mess. This is a mess. So for you, I'm sure people have that perception of you too, like with your family and your social media and your basketball career and you academically, like how, what is your approach to like being like, no, y'all, like this is how I'm going to approach with vulnerability with courage to show you like I'm more than, um, you know, student and an athlete. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a balance, you know? Um, I, I think that like concentrating on the things that you don't have, you know, like the weaknesses and stuff, like I, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses and the fact that like, that's how I relate to someone else. You know, mm. uh, if I have a teammate who, who's, you know, sitting on the bench or something like that, um, I'm going to relate to them because I've been there before, you know, like I'm going to talk about those experiences more than talking about like some crazy, amazing thing that happened to me, you know, but I do think that, you know, Stanford athletes do have it all um, in terms of like, they get the best of both worlds. They get to compete for championships. And then on top of that, they're going to get the most amazing, you know, class experience. And I mean, that's really the selling point. And it's not like a really a four year decision. It's a lifetime decision, you know, sort of thing. And it's really like, you know, I want to be around people who are great, because I don't have it all, you know, because I want to be around the people that have the tools that I don't have so that I can add more to my toolbox, you know, and so I think that it's really like, you know, if like, there's like, kind of like the saying, like, you're the sum of the five people you hang around, you know, And so, like, for me, like, I was around Haley Jones. I was around Cameron Brink. I was around, like, Carly Samuelson. I was around Erica McCall. Like, the best leader. Like, my freshman year, I had the best leaders, right? And so, like, I knew when I was going to be in the position of leading, and I was a three-year captain, like, I wanted to be the person who had great relationships with every single person. You know, I wasn't perfect. You know, and there was times during practice where I probably got in someone's face and they probably didn't like it. But in the in the long run, like I had great relationships with every single person, um, and and I really like cared about those things, um, and I I loved growing those relationships as much as possible, um, and a lot of that comes from people seeing the way that you live too. Um, like I I don't feel like I really walked around like I had it all, but um, you know some people kind of have a perception of me just from you know seeing stuff that they don't really know about too. So it's kind of like you know, that, that sort of thing really comes from having conversations with people and people being willing to have conversations with you too. Um, cause that's really a two way street. Um, so I think for me is like not having judgments for other people and people not having judgments of me. 
and um, us getting to learn each other and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the quote about the, some of the five people you're around the most, like I've yeah. seen that in my life and like through seasons, just when you feel yeah. like you're kind of in a slump and then you look at who you, you've been around the most and you're like, well, yeah. no, and you know what, like, <laughs> look who I've been hanging out with. And then on the other hand, when you're like, you know, you're feeling really good and you're like, these are kind of my people. Um, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to go kind of back to like Stanford and the schooling, I, so correct me if I'm wrong. Your mother was a nurse. Your father was a lawyer. Your yep. your dad played at Dartmouth. Your grandma was a college professor. Your uncle was went to Harvard Law. So like your family is obviously extremely educated. That's something they take seriously. You talked yep. about um, Richard Sherman and um, Baldwin pushing you towards Stanford. Did that also have come from your family at all? Yeah, I mean, I would say my family is is pretty like oddly successful, but I don't I don't think that we're elitist. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes any sense like we're not about like or at least I know I'm not I'm not about elite like elitism whatsoever like I like honestly am so far away from that but um, I mean I ended up doing art at Stanford so like yeah. you know it's it's kind of like yeah exactly <laughs> I mean I did art at Stanford because honestly it's one of the only undergrads like art undergrads where you get all of your tools for free and like I had a studio that was absolutely free and like I wasn't really sure if I'd ever do anything like that ever again in my life where it was like someone's going to pay for me to have a studio space and like take photos all day and like paint before I go to practice and like that sort of thing. And um, I think that it was like really like for me, um, I I really just wanted to follow things that I was really passionate about. And I think that's what a lot of my family has done. Um, And that's why like, you know, we've kind of gotten to do really cool things and all of us in our respective areas of life. But um, yeah, my, my God, my, not my godfather, my grandfather, um, he was the president at Norfolk state university. Um, uh, my dad was a lawyer. Yeah. My, um, my uncle just like, he just got an honorary doctorate from Dartmouth for like being like one of the dopest, like black lawyers ever. <laughs> um, what? Like, that's probably not why he got that award, but like, <laughs> but also, like, maybe. like the dude is like legit and he's so dope but his wife is like way smarter she went to harvard law she was like one of the first like black women to graduate from harvard law yeah she's unreal she used to like like do all of my not do my papers but like edit all of my papers for college and stuff um she wrote my like helped me write my um college admission letter um getting to stanford um so yeah i mean my my family is just like everyone's great at something and um, you know, it's just really cool to kind of just learn from everyone else in my family. So, yeah. um, in terms of getting it, in terms of going to Stanford, I mean, my family was definitely like, yeah, you should do it. Cause right. my, my uncle and my aunt, every, everyone in my family who went to Harvard or had experienced some, some sort of like version of Harvard, they always wish they had gone to Stanford because it's not the same, um, like, like Harvard is like this. Yeah. Right. You know, Stanford's like this. Yeah. <laughs> Stanford is like a collaborative like hub where like people want to learn from each other. Like classrooms are not like, like, right. right. You know, it's very like, Oh my gosh. Like everyone's wearing like flip flops. Like I'm literally wearing like slides right now. Like everyone comes in on like a longboard and like scooter or something like that. Like I had an electric longboard in college. And so like, it's really like chill laid back. 
I mean, it's, it's difficult. You have some hard classes and stuff, but for the most part, your professors want you to succeed in everything. So, uh, it, it's a really amazing experience. So, yeah. I can, gosh, I watched Bridgerton. Like I love Bridgerton. And so like those, the picture of like you in the studio is, is like putting me like with like King George and his like, you know, like his <laughs> um, so, so Anna, why, like, what is it? See if you can get deep here. What is it about art that like has made it your passion that has made it like the thing to you? I know it's like, not just like painting, drawing. It's also yeah. like your fashion through social media. Like what is what do you think it is about art that is attractive to you? Um, well, I mean, the real story is, yeah. uh, I was in high school and I started picking up photography. Um, just like I, I had a little camera. I picked up photography. And then I got my concussion and I was having a really hard time with memory. Um, so I was taking pictures of a bunch of different things. And then I was in like a cell phone photography class, which sounds like super fake. It sounds like one of those like electives that you just take like just sure. to go away. I was in this class and I was actually struggling because I like couldn't see like, like normal because I had the eye tracking issue that I was talking about earlier. But my, my teacher was saying that like how I should pick up photography, like as a, like more, like, like a more serious thing um, okay. from the images I was, I was taking. And um, I was like, no, nah, I can't do like, I can't, I can't go to Stanford and like do art. Like, <laughs> I went to a prep school um, and I was like, I loved environmental science. I, I love the environment. I love nature, all that sort of thing, all those sorts of things. Um, and then um, my point guard coach, her name is Kate Pay. She went to Stanford, like her whole family went to Stanford. Her brother was a football, like a football player. She was a walk on on the, on the women's basketball team, won a national championship. She literally did everything, went to law school and business school at the same time, played in the MBA all at the same time. So like this woman has been to Stanford and like knows the ins and outs of it. And so we need her on the pod. Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were in an academic meeting and I, I was sitting there and I was, I was pretty upset. I was in my freshman season and I was just like so sad because I wasn't playing. And so my, my affect during the meeting, I think was like this. Like I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't really like what I was doing in school. And like, I didn't really like enjoy anything at the time because I was struggling so much um, with not playing. She was like, Anna, what is something that you really love? Like, what's the class like you've enjoyed so much right now? And I was like, oh, well, my self and photography class. She was like, what? And I was like, yeah, photography. Like, I love it. And I was like, it's actually been really helping me with my memory. And she was like, well, like, why don't you take more classes in that? And so I ended up taking more photography classes. I ended up getting a DLSR, so like a really professional camera. Yeah. I had a Canon 5D. Now wow. I, I don't have a Canon 5D. I have like a Leica and like all these really cool, like European cameras, uh, German cameras. Um, I, and then I was taking a film class, which is my favorite class. I would spend like outside of basketball. I literally spent all of my time in the dark room, like just in there messing around with like all the chemicals and all the paper and all that stuff. And then I started taking pictures of my teammates. And so it was really like a way for me to have conversation with people Um and it allowed me to engage with people where I couldn't before. It also allowed me to remember things that I couldn't remember anymore. Um, and it was my escape from basketball. Um, it gave me a pastime where I felt like I was still giving so much work, like so much effort to it, similar to basketball, way different. 
but it was very similar to like how basketball allowed me to have a bigger perspective on life. Um, and so I, I love photography because I think it's just a version of expression, you know, um, mm. I took other art, I took other mediums and stuff, but I, I did, uh, sculpture painting. Um, <laughs> I dabbled in drawing. I'm not a drawler at all. Um, I can paint cause I don't like lines don't have to be exact and like, you know, I'm not erasing, you know, stuff. I can just, you know, paint right over it or something. But, um, so yeah, I, I mean, sculpture was my second, probably my second favorite medium, um, just cause it was very physical. Um, but other than that, like, I mean, I guess art is like, it's also just really cool. Cause like a lot of other athletes didn't feel like they could do art, mm. um, because it was like a complete different thing than like the sports world. It's like, yeah, it's a little bit softer. It's like more intimate. It's more like, you know, um, so it allowed me to kind of express myself in ways where I couldn't at the time because of basketball, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome. I think that, sorry, Z, I know that nope. I, one of my favorite things about this podcast, but also just like in general is talking to people who are so like multidimensional. Like I think like multidimensional people are the coolest people to, have relationships with to learn from like all of the above and like that mm-hmm. that's all i'm hearing right now is like you yeah. have so much more outside of like when you were a basketball player like there were so many more things about you that made you interesting um so I, I think that's pretty cool as well thank you yeah um i that's literally what i was going to say so i'm glad you said that so now Art. i'm gonna I, we've kind of talked about stanford a lot and I just have one more question. I can tell that you're like pretty loyal, a loyal person. And I can get that from you and you care about relationships. And one thing that's really interesting to me is like when people that like don't really know like sports that well or basketball for one, think about like the greatest basketball coaches. It's like mm-hmm. Coach K, Gino, Pat Summit. Pe- people like recency bias might throw Kim Mulkey in there, but like Tara, Tara Vanderveer is like, she's like her, like she's the girl. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this video um, today and it was like when she um, passed Pat Summit and there was like all these people in this video like, congratulating her it was like Steve Kerr, Condoleezza Rice, Lisa Leslie, like Billie Jean King like all these people and I'm like dang she must be like super impactful yeah. and so kind of talk about the impact she's had on you and you played for her for six years like that's an extensive long time to be around someone. Yeah um, you know I, I stayed around Stanford for so long because of the people you know um, I knew that I had a really finite time. Like that was only six years of my life. I have so much more life to live. So like, obviously when I talk about six years, I'm like, dang, that was a long time and I'm really old. But at the same time, it was like, it felt like two days. Like yeah. now that I'm looking back on it, it felt so short. And so, um, you know, I really stayed there because my, my teammates were incredible, great people. Um, my, you know, my favorite 15 people to see every day, you know, sort of thing. And I miss them so much. Like now that I, I rarely see them. Uh, with traveling so much, but, you know, I think that playing for Tara was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my entire life. Like I've lost my, I lost my dad when I was 12. I think maybe playing for Tara might be like right there in terms of how difficult it is to play for someone and like to be a, like for me, to learn at 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, how to be a consistent person when you have, like, I I was talking to one of my other coaches the other day and we were talking about how we always change. She always, like, she's always the same person. She's always like getting older and we're 
we're always the same age. Like these people yeah. that are playing for her are always the same age. So she always constantly has to adjust to like the nuances of this group, of this team. Right. And so that's a, that's a challenge for her, you know? And so um, I think that it was like over the years, I got, I kept getting closer and closer to her um, because I was just getting older. Um, meaning like, you know, I was surpassing what the normal group of people age are, which finishes at probably 22, 23. And I was at 24, almost 25 years old playing for Tara. And so I think for me, like um, playing for Tara is not easy. Um, if you've seen any documentary on her recently, like, you know, with obviously with the Olympic team, I think they called her Lucy, you know? And so like, she's, she's not easy to play for at any level, whether you're Olympian or a college athlete or a freshman, you know, whether you're a senior freshman, junior, sophomore, like whatever. Um, she's a, she's a challenging person to play for. And, um, you know, I, I credit a lot of my fortitude and a lot of my resiliency and ability to like bounce back from difficult situations to her. Um, you know, there were some games where she was like, Anna, girl, like you're my dog, you know? And then other games where it's kind of like silent too. So um, I think like kind of the ebbs and flows, um, I really learned a lot um, in terms of like handling stuff like that. Um, you know, I've won a lot of games with her, won more than loss um, and won a lot more than probably a lot of other individuals won um, in college. And so, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that over time, like she got cooler too. And like from my freshman year to my senior year, Tara's a completely different individual. Like we used to run lines all day. Like and there was one time she like miscounted our, our lines and just, we were running lines for no reason, even though that had nothing to do with the punishment. <laughs> and then like my fifth year, sixth year, we didn't run our conditioning test whatsoever. Like we just don't, we don't, we don't do it. That's how it goes, dude. Everyone's yeah, like, post- everyone thinks it was harder when they did it. Yeah. Literally, post-COVID, it was like all of like the conditioning tests just went down the drain. They're like, ah. Yeah. They're like, well, we don't even need this. Like, if people if people were doing this when they, like, literally couldn't, like, breathe properly, like, I don't think we need to do it. Like, yeah. We want a national championship without needing to, like, lift as much right. and also, like, <laughs> running as much. And so I think the Tara just figured out, like, there's a formula. Like, no conditioning tests win a national championship. They're, like, correlated. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we just, they just don't run conditioning tests anymore. And so it's just, a, it's, she grows, you know, over time and I, I grew over time too. And so um, our relationship is like, it's definitely a coach player relationship. You know, she's not, she's not trying to be your best friend. Um, you know, and that, that's worked for her for so long. So, um, so yeah. That's uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. They were talking, um, which I respect the heck out of her too, for being, like keeping those boundaries too, because I know I think it's almost more frustrating when a coach tends to go the other way where they become, they cross that boundary into like friendship player relationship, then that becomes like a bigger problem than if it's just like strictly, you know, coach player. Um, But with that being said, like, I feel like with how much time we spend with our college coaches in a way they become like parent figures for us for those four years or those six years in your case, um, especially cause college is like so transformational. It is yeah. transformational in like the way we think, the way we do things, um, mm-hmm. all the above. But with that being said, your parents 
I don't know your parents, but I sent you that video of your mom last night because I was like in tears watching that video of of the new house. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I love her. I don't even know her. Um, and your parents obviously raised like phenomenal, three phenomenal children. And you talked about being oddly successful, but like that doesn't just happen, you know? And with whenever people are successful, I truly believe like there's like some nature, but there's so much nurture in there. And so I know growing up for me, like I love my parents to death and um, they, I'm one of four kids and all of us are going to play college sports too. So like, you know, it was, I think about like what they said to me and growing up, my dad would always say like, do what others don't. That was like Mm -hmm. his thing. And Z, Z, I say it all the time, but like, what was like a phrase that you remember your parents just preaching into you all? Or what were some things that they were like, um, you know, these are, this is what's important. This is what's not important. That kind of guided you and your brothers to make the decisions you all made and get to where you all are at now. Yeah, I would say probably Russell would probably say that my dad said more like kind of like one liners, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, my, my dad passed away when I was 12 years old. So I never really got to have those conversations with my dad at that time. But and I probably also can't remember um, because I think my dad started like he was like kind of in the hospital in and out for like a few years, like I think like three or four years um, when I was nine. Um, and so like my earliest remember like memories with my dad were like playing basketball after dinner and that sort of thing, like playing one-on-one. Um, other than that, like I didn't really, my, my mom was never, my mom loves, like loves me and loves what I'm doing, whatever, whatever it is I'm doing. She loves, she like loves it. Like wants <laughs> to know what's going on, all that stuff. She's into it. That sort of thing. My mom absolutely knows nothing about basketball. Loves That's- me, loves the team. knows nothing about football football. she will be at russell's games like screaming about something and like the play probably hasn't even started yet (laughs) so my mom is very supportive yeah Um, i do think that something you know that i probably gained a lot um from my parents honestly was like a lot of independence um you know i was like I kind of went through my college career, um, you know, kind of like my freshman and sophomore year was like pretty tough. And, um, you know, I had a, I relied on a lot of the things like coping mechanisms I learned when I was young, when I was like dealing with my dad being in the hospital and like my mom having to like be gone for work. Mm. So like I learned a lot of like depending on myself, like depending on my faith, like depending on my friends and like that sort of thing. Um, and I know that like, you know, my family's always there um, for me and that sort of thing. But like at the same time, like I got through some of the stuff in college, like not by calling my mom and being like, Oh my God, like this happened today in practice. I'm like so upset that it happened. Like that sort of thing. Um, and I just kind of like stuck with stuff um, and, and learned how to finish things. Um from like start to end, you know, rather than like resting sort of in the middle um, or stopping kind of in the middle of things. Um, So I think that that's probably like some of the things that I learned probably um, indirectly from my parents. Uh, My mom worked super, super hard, even though, uh, you know, my dad was pretty much like on his deathbed for like uh, in and out, you know, out of time, you know, sort of thing. And, um, so, you know, I, I think that that was probably the biggest thing that I 
I took away from my parents and, um, you know, me, Russell and Harry had all different kinds of upbringings and stuff. And so, um, that's probably why we all have different kinds of personalities and stuff. So, so yeah. Our faith is like all of our own. Like we can't take our faith from our family, our friends, whatever, but your brother Russell is like kind of the face of faith in the NFL. And you also said that you were a leader in FCA. And earlier in the podcast, you said something. It comes from like my favorite scripture. You said like you boast in your weakness and that's first Corinthians 12, nine. And I just think that's really awesome. And so I kind of want to hear about your faith. And then also like boasting your weakness, you had a really tough couple first year of school. Like how did your faith kind of lead you through that? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, my, I mean, my brother, like, you know, he's a, he's a really big believer um and he's a person that's very outspoken about his faith um you know and i respect that a lot um especially with kind of his you know russell's been pretty darn successful like his entire life like literally super successful i I remember being in the car and i was in i was I'm going to say I was in the back seat because I was pretty young and I should probably shouldn't have been in the front seat. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I, like, I can't really remember. But I do remember him saying in the car, he's like, one day I'm going to make millions of dollars. Like, and I don't just mean like I'm going to make some money. He's like, I'm going to make a lot of money. Like, you know, and I, I think that he's a person that's always spoke things like out in his life, you know, mm-hmm. and so, um, and I really respect his like consistency and his faith. What, however it looks, you know, he's very consistent in his faith. Um, whether he's super like winning Super Bowls, you know, in his first few years of the NFL, whether he kind of got that starting spot over Matt Flynn, you know, that sort of situation, kind of being a third round pick, being super short, like everyone's like, no, you're not, you're not going to do this and that. Russell's literally defied the odds every single time, you know, and like. Um, I think he's someone that a lot of people like I was watching this. Uh, this is kind of going all over the place, but I was watching this Kanye West documentary and it was talking about kind of like they hate you when you become great, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think Russell's one of those people that people constantly have something to say because he's someone that's so consistent. And so you try and find like these little things about people that you don't like or these things that like, you know, they struggle with or they aren't doing that great in this area so that you can like magnify, you know, things that aren't that great about them, you know? And so I think for me seeing someone that consistent in a world where it's like instant gratification or social media and all that stuff, like, I think that's been huge for me in terms of like staying on my own path. Um, I think we both have like very different paths and very different personalities and ways that we want to live our lives but i think that he's um a person that has such strong faith and you know i respect that so much you know um he's an like he's definitely has an alpha personality and all these things but he's a he's a person of very strong faith and um very committed to anything that he's doing he wants to be great at and so i think his faith is also a testament to that too um so cool um and i have when you were talking i uh, Z knows this story, but I have a mentor at school who um, talks about like manifestation isn't really the term Christians use to talk about like speaking their dreams and goals into existence. You know, that's not really the term we use, but he phrased it so well for me. He was like, 
you know, he's a father and he's like, if my 16 year old son came to me and was like, dad, I want to buy a Tesla. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're the dad, you're like, son, like, I want you to have that Tesla, but I'm not just going to give it to you. Like you need to be putting the work in day out, day out, day in, day out. Um, but then his name is Quint. He's like, at the end of it, when my son, when my son turns 16, like I'm going to be working my butt off to make sure he gets that Tesla. And that's mm-hmm. like what God does for us. Like when we're, when we have these crazy dreams, like I'm sure Russell had crazy dreams back then and still does now. And like, mm-hmm. if you are doing the same things day in and day out, like those things, I believe, I think we all believe like will happen. Um, yeah. Maybe not exactly how we think they will, but like, I don't know. I just, I liked that analogy. And I think that like Russell's like probably a testament of that as well. Yeah. I think as someone that's like, you know, if, if you're good at something, let's just say you're good. If you're good mm-hmm. at something, you put in all of the work and you're a good person, things are going to work out. Like it, it's almost like, and when I say work out, they work out exactly how God has planned them to work out, you know, and that is the best way of it coming to whatever life that it comes to. You know, that's the best way that it comes is because like, I mean, I don't know that many people who are great at something, good at something. They put in all the work. They have the faith. They, they do everything right that it doesn't work out. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's very rare to me that that doesn't happen. Um, you know, it's happened for myself. But I think that for for Russell, he has a really strong, he has like favor over his life, you know. Um, you know, of course, this year is kind of like didn't, you know, go the way things planned. But that's how it looks to us that it didn't, that it didn't go as planned, you know. Like almost half, some of the stuff is like, it went so, nor- it went so south that it's like literally for it to go north, it's like only God could have done that. Right. It takes the attention. It, it puts it back on, on God to, to, mm. to see how this thing unfolds and everything, right. you know, because um, he's, he's put in all the work. He's done everything right. You know, so it's just like, it's got to be kind of one of those stories where it's like only God could have done it. Uh, And so like, I'm excited to see where things go. You know, I think that he's made, he's made a lot of changes. He's made um, a lot of improvements and stuff. Um, You know, people on the outside are are always going to have something to say, but it's, it really doesn't matter what anyone has to say at the end of the day, you know? So, uh, I mean, ultimately, he's still like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's still playing in the NFL. He's one of the 32 quarterbacks who have the, who have the job of starting. So everyone can say everything, but like he's the one in the position. So it doesn't really matter what all, everyone else has to say. I got to say really quickly, and Brett can attest to this. My brother is like the biggest Seahawks fan. His, um, his bed spread, he has... My brother's name is Chancellor. So he has Cam Chancellor's jersey. He has your brother's jersey. He's got Seahawks yeah. flags everywhere. Like, yeah. when it was like that group on the Seahawks, my brother like fell in love. And so he's going to love yeah. this. But um, that was really awesome. And I want to say, I, I didn't mean to make that all about your brother, but it was huh. really awesome hearing you talk about him in that light. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things my, my brother wins, I win. You know, yeah. oh. when I win, he wins. So I think ultimately for me, and when he loses, I, f- I, feel, the, I feel the loss too. <laughs> You know, this season, I think, you know, unfortunately, that was that was probably the most losses that either one of us has experienced in one season, like ever. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's 
that's part of life. You know, I, I've had my, I, I've definitely had my down seasons and this is his, like probably one of his first ones. Mm. And he's been playing for a very, very long time. He's been playing <laughs> right. for a very, very long time. This is his first down season. I mean, and, and maybe like, even if it's not his first, if it's a second, like it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, so it's, it's just like things that you got to work through and get through. So, um, yeah. 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 Um, first of all, Anna, I don't think I told you this, but, um, I'm from Wisconsin. And so <laughs> like when I told a few people, I was like, yeah, I have a girl named Anna Wilson. I was like, actually she's Russell Wilson's sister too. They like, every, you know how, did you go to a Camp Randall game? Oh my God. Yeah. Jump around. Like, yeah. Those <laughs> crazy. People wow. are freaking crazy up here, like yeah, in the yeah. best way possible. Um, yeah. So like everyone loves Russell Wilson up here. So yeah. you, you know that too. Um, with that being said though, like obviously we've took a little time to talk about him. Um, and like Harry was insanely successful as well being the youngest. So I'm the oldest, I'm the oldest of four. Um, mm -hmm. And my brother plays college basketball. My sister plays college volleyball. And my youngest sister right now, she's like going to be a junior. And she's just going through the recruiting process now. And mm -hmm. it's like she's in a similar position as you in terms of like she has three older siblings who have all kind of created paths for themselves that like have turned out to be pretty successful. And I think it's like it's been really good for her because she's like going to be the best athlete out of all of us because she's like lived in the gym. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's also really hard because she's like, mm -hmm. mom, like, mom, dad, I want to make my own way. Like, I don't want to go to Kentucky. I don't want to go to Marquette. Like, I don't want to be Maddie's little sister. I don't want to be Molly's little sister. So how have you kind of, like, tiptoed on that line of, like, I want to be Anna, but, like, I also love my siblings more than life itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, walk us through that, like, that a little bit. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned earlier, like, you're the sum of the people you're around, right? And like the toolbox thing, like I've, I have tools in my toolbox that I got from Russ and I got from Harry, you know? Um, and I think that for me, like carving out my own path is like one of the, my main focuses in what I'm doing in life. Yeah. Like I've lived in a shadow of, of Russell my entire life in the, in the sense of like him being brought up and most things that, you know, I do. Right. But I think that that's also a gift because it's, it's allowed me avenues that I probably would not have if I didn't have my siblings or if, or if he wasn't that successful. And there's this whole thing in the Bible, glory to glory, you know, that sort of thing. And like, I really believe that like my siblings are like glory to glory to glory, you mm -hmm. know, and like they've given me things and given me tools that like, I really like without them, I wouldn't be able to navigate things so quickly at a, as a young person um, without them, you know, they, they've like, I've seen them go through things. I, I see, like, I'm in therapy right now. And one of the things, like I had to draw, do this drawing for my therapist the other day. And, um, I drew, I drew this one, like stair and I drew like a ladder, like an ascension line. And I drew a question mark and I was like, I'm not really sure if I'm going to climb that ladder or like be in the same spotlight that Russell's in because I'm still trying to figure out like what it is that I want in my life and like, do I want to be that successful or do like the success to me even look like what Russell has or like, mm. is that what success like means to me? You know, so I'm still trying to figure out things in my own life. Like what makes me happy? What is, what is something I'm passionate about? What is going to like fuel my like car or whatever, you know, that sort of thing, you know, what's going to bring me life and energy and abundance. 
Um, and that's not going to look like the things that bring Russell the same energy and abundance. Russell's very much a doer. He likes to do things all the time. I am like an expert in rest. Like I literally, <laughs> I am so like, I don't, I don't mean like I like to sleep in. I, I actually hate sleeping in. I just mean that I am so much like into reading. I love going to therapy. I love, I love connection. I love people. I love connecting. Like I love all of those things. Um, I'm very adamant about like, I love doing work, but I want to do it in the way that I've always have done work. Like, so I work remote hybrid. Like I like, I go, I fly into the city. I go into the city for like a really short period of time. And then I leave, I leave, I, I go back home and I work from home. I work in a very like collective space and like, you know, I do my own thing. I, I don't try and be him. I don't try and have his, his success. You know, I try and be Anna. Um, and then a lot of times, like I, I get really cool opportunities because I have really great siblings who open doors for me as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, I won't, I won't say it's a family affair. Like I, I don't really <laughs> like that sort of thing, but I do, I do like the idea of like, you know, the people around you who, who God, who God has put in your life, like help you and like we help each other. Um, and build off of each other and that sort of thing. And um, so, yeah, I just try and be me. Um, that. And it took me a while to get to that point. Um, so, yeah. I'm sure. Wow. Cool. I'm I'm inspired by that response. That's pretty cool. Yeah, same. Really? <laughs> this is, like, off topic, but, like, my favorite thing about doing this is, like, hearing, like, a lot of people say the same things, mm-hmm. but hearing them say it in different ways and, like, how, like, people do you know what i'm saying maddie like yeah the way different people think about things and like process it and say it out loud is like really cool to hear and that's yeah lowballing what you just said but (laughs) that's really awesome z and i also think that um like being siblings that have younger siblings and like seeing how anna views it from a younger sibling is cool because like we're the russell to our younger siblings which i think is like it's like a responsibility but it's also um, like it's, it's a, now you have family affair in my head, but like we help like mutually, mutually help each other too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely the black sheep of my family. Like <laughs> what I mean by that is I'm the one that's like pretty unpredictable, you know, like I've done like really cool things at a really young age. Um, and I've done stuff that's like a little bit more like creative at a younger age. Um, then my my brother's like I like when I was in college and I was playing sports like I, I didn't play two sports in college I only played one I wish I had played two yeah. um, should have played two and um, I like I worked when I was in college I worked at a gallery um, when I was in college um, obviously I did art I didn't I think my brothers did like English and like my oldest brother he did English in college he's a phenomenal writer um, and then um, Russell did like some sort of like business or like management communication sorts of thing. Mm-hmm. And then I did art. Like I, I, I painted like before <laughs> going to like practice and like had paint on my nose and stuff. And like, you know, I, I'm just like, I'm just different. And like, you know, I think my family appreciates the differences that I have. Like, and I think that we all try and like, we don't try and like do things like necessarily like it just kind of happens naturally, um, I think. And so, I don't know. I just think that my family has, like, so many different, like, things going on. And, like, it's kind of, like, it's just interesting. So, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, Anna, we have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. The biggest one of them all. 
Um, yep. There's hopefully going to be a lot of people listening to this, um, and they're going to benefit a lot from it. But what is your one piece, best piece, piece of advice that you could give everyone listening right now? All the women listening. All the women listening. Women. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, well, I mentioned earlier that I'm going to therapy right now. Um, and I would say when I, <laughs> I would say, okay, go ahead. I mean, no, you go first and then, and then we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll go first. So my advice, um, when I was in college, I had all of the tools to get therapy. Um, you know, and I had literally like Stanford has so many tools in order to get therapy. Um, and I did like performance therapy, but like my things that I needed weren't really about my performance. They were like things outside of my sport, you know? Um, like when I started doing art, I got better at basketball because I was doing something that I was passionate about and something that like allowed me to take my mind off of the sport. But, you know, like, you know, I started doing therapy, like I've, I've kind of met with different people. I've, I finally found my person like, to do therapy with. And, um, I think it's one of those things where like learning and like figuring out what's going on in the inside is like so important. Um, and I'm, I was reading this book. I was in like, I was traveling around and I went to this bookstore and I, I found this book and then like, it has like a little blurb and it talked about like, this is the best book you'll ever read about Jesus. So I picked it up and I was like, okay, I'm gonna read this book. And like, it talked about the false self. And then it also talked about um, just like getting to know yourself. Cause the more you get to know yourself, the more you get to know Jesus sort of thing. Um, and I think that one of those things is like understanding who I am, you know, especially with the social media world and especially for women, like in the world of social media, we get so much validation. We get so much affirmation. We get, we get almost an information overload on like who we should be, how we should be in relationships, how we, how we should be like in whatever spheres of the world that we're in, you know, and it's really like, who am I? What matters to me? Like, am I doing this? <laughs> I just thought of a J Cole line, but like, am <laughs> I doing this? Am I doing this for, if it's like to facilitate, to facilitate growth? Or am I doing this to be famous? Like that's sort of like J Cole line. Right. But like, am I doing this to like, get like to get personal growth out of the situation or am I doing this to like, am I posting this on social media for other people? You know, that sort of thing. Um, I was talking to my therapist about depth over, over width, right? We think about width being like this and depth being like this. Like I'm, I'm so like, I'm a very substance person. And so like, if it's not this way and it's more like this, I don't want this at all. I want, I want this, I want depth. You know, I want relationships that have depth. Like I want to be doing work that requires depth and like creativity and like figuring out like, what am I creating? What am I putting out into the world? What energy am I, am I giving? What energy am I getting back? Like, is there reciprocation? All of those things. And so like, I think to me in the world that we live in with instant gratification, with liking, with commenting with all this stuff, like all of that stuff is stuff that involves like being impressive and being what other people want us to be instead of like, this is who I am. This is what I want. And, um, 
I don't know. I, I would say like get greedy with like knowing yourself and like spending time mm-hmm. with yourself. Um, especially like when you're an athlete, because when you leave the sport that you dedicate your entire life to and you're detached from that thing, I mean, some people will still play professionally, but you, you'll figure out who you are. Um, and it's, it has to be something so much more than the person you are in your sport, because when you're not playing anymore, you're not around the same 15 people, 12 people, 24 people. Um, it, it's different, you know? Um, and luckily I've had the tools, um, since a really young person, um, to search for those things. So that's my advice. Get greedy. I just wrote that down. Get greedy. I did too. I literally wrote that down. Well, all I was going to say is about what you said is the reason we were laughing is Z and I were um, having that exact conversation last night. Like you literally took the words out of our mouth. We were talking about therapy and like really like how much of a difference it can make in people's lives. So when you started saying that, that's why we both started laughing because we're like, what are the odds of that? Like her bringing this up and we had just started talking about it. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't just make fun of me because I thought I told Anna that you were going to make fun of me. So. No, I wouldn't make fun of you, but not not on this. But as soon as we're done recording, I probably will. <laughs> so fun. Oh, Anna, this has been seriously like just the biggest blessing. I like I said, we love talking to people who um, I said the multidimensional thing, but I think the depth thing that you mentioned is something that is like really going to stick with me. And I'm probably going to go tell my boyfriend, too, because I'm talking <laughs> to him about that was like the perfect like verbiage for what I'm trying to say. I'm like. You know, Nick, I want like depth, like rather than width. So I'll be taking that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I don't like I was talking about that in therapy and we were just we're talking. Well, we weren't talking about the submarine situation, but Mm -hmm. when you just obviously when you look at the ocean, you know, you're looking at the surface of things and there's so much undiscovered. Like when you think about the ocean and how deep it is, like literally that thing is so deep, so wide. Right. But when you think about the depth of it, there's so much of that that hasn't been discovered. And just like, kind of, that's the same thing with like people too. You know, you see a lot on the surface, like you see social media, you have a perception of me. You read some, I read some article, I'm really like, you know, there's accolades and stuff. But there's so much like in between, there's, there's things that um, are required and prerequisites and stuff that are required in order to get to that, those accolades and, and stuff. And so... Um, and even like, you know, I, I don't really, I don't really believe in failure too much, but I just think that there's so much, um, there's so much to the depth that is like, man, that thing is like driving every, like, I want that to drive every single thing that I do. Um, mm. and so if it doesn't have depth, like I'm, I'm not a part of it. Um, so yeah. So cool. That's awesome. So cool. What an episode. Thank you, Anna. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah. Kind of was hectic getting you on, but I'm glad it worked out. So. 